guys, I can't. I'm like so nervous. I can't even do this. We'll get through it. All right, you ready? Yep. I should I drink water? <laughs> Just conversation. What we were what we were talking about earlier was know, like, podcast material. That's what I need to do is get you guys on when you don't think I'm recording and just record yeah. it. It makes the perfect yeah. podcast. Yeah. I was gonna say that's like don't even tell me next time that you're recording because I didn't I didn't get a privacy thing. Watch, we don't have any of your audio. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't even know. Shot. Auburn hit it. No, they didn't even get a shot. <laughs> Good for them. That puts Purdue. That puts Purdue back on the one line if they win tomorrow. That I was think. that was bad. That Don't was, tell them that. Yeah. You're listening to Boiler Up, Beer Down. A casual podcast for the most uncasual Purdue fans. This is Habitual Boiler with Game Day Gabby and Riles. Follow us on Twitter at Habitual Boiler, at Get Ugly With Me 10, and at Riles23. So, today in our first episode, we want to go over some quick introductions of who we are, why we want to do this podcast. Um, take a look around the current state of the Big Ten and uh, the national scene and NCAA seating, um, and then uh, take a look ahead at, at uh, the Rutgers game tomorrow. So I'm going to start with Riles. Riles, you're from Iowa. So explain to me, you're born and raised there. Why are you a Purdue fan? That is a wonderful question. I, growing up, I didn't really have a strong pull to either be an Iowa or an Iowa State fan and just when I was younger the first memory I have of watching a college football game is the Purdue uh, Kansas State Alamo Bowl and ever since then I've been a Purdue fan without any actual connections to the school so I say myself as an organic Purdue fan as I didn't go to school to Purdue I don't have any like family connections to Purdue I've just been a Purdue fan for 20 plus years so it's been there's not any of you man no and that's kind of and it's this podcast is nice for me because I don't have anyone that I know really outside of Twitter that I can talk about Purdue athletics with that would actually care because all my friends are Iowa fans. I went to school at Iowa, so all the people I know are Iowa fans. So having something like this is a nice outlet to talk about my first college sports love with people that feel the same way that I do. So are you um, are you an Iowa fan too? Yes, I am a Purdue and Iowa fan, but I am always asked when they play each other who I'm rooting for, and I always say I just want both teams to play well and have a good thing. <laughs> no injuries right no injury but i'm rooting for purdue so oh okay <laughs> and uh i think you, you told me a little before the podcast started um you you actually work in the hospital that overlooks Kinnick. yes i work for the university of iowa hospitals and clinics so and i mean i have as a student i went to had season tickets for basketball and football so went to, been to a bunch of games there it's honestly 
I've only been to one Purdue game actually in West Lafayette. So that's been my connection to actually getting to see uh, football and basketball. Like, I hadn't been to an Iowa football game in years until uh, Jeff Brahms' first game coaching for Purdue against Iowa. Almost froze my ass off and died, but Purdue won. So it was <laughs> the end. But, see, but yeah, so just in more of an organic connection that I kind of am surprised that it was as strong of a hold as it was, but I don't miss, I would rather miss an Iowa game than miss a Purdue game. So, so if I were in your shoes, then I, the games I would not want to go to are the Purdue Iowa games. I I would not want to go to the games when they're playing each other. It's uh, something I do try to avoid, but, that instance I had free tickets. So it's like, okay, I'll go. But otherwise it's one of those. I would like to watch those in solitude because if I'm watching with friends, they're all rooting for Iowa. So it's kind of like, okay, this is fun. This is great. So cool. Gabby, tell us about why you want to do this podcast. How long? I mean, why are you a Purdue fan? You know what? I am a 2013 Purdue grad, but I played basketball pretty much my whole life. And I think women's college basketball fans are kind of like an anomaly. You don't hear a lot about them. Um, so I would love to break that barrier of like, we actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> I played, I research it, I follow it. I have ties to it. And being a Purdue grad, of course, I am a big Purdue fan. What year did you graduate? 2013. So you got to see the baby boilers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to school alongside the baby boilers, which was fun. Um, Humble towards ACL, you know, we were projected final four and then it kind of fell to the wayside. Uh, But that kind of like fueled my fandom of being like this disappointed (laughs) Purdue fan. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, we're going to be, you know, projected to do this. And then, National happen. title team and hopes down yeah. in a heartbeat. And I still and I still think that was one of our best teams to come through the Painter era. Oh, for sure. I mean, Painters had three legit national title title contenders, um, and and luck has destroyed all three of those. So knock on wood. Yeah, and I, you know. Our bench this year is so much deeper than that team. That team was really good. Like, the 25 were really good. We got a much deeper bench. Um, I'm hoping that we can kind of bring that, remember, like, the 2018-2019 curse and Edward era of, like, just having fun. Like, you could tell that team just yeah. had a lot of fun. They didn't care. And I feel like why I'm a little scared for Rutgers tomorrow is they're just playing like fun. They're not so serious. And I think Purdue, because we're so projected, like there's so much high hope for us fans, for Matt Painter, for the players to like finally make it. I hope that like we can kind of bring down the seriousness and, and break that barrier. Right. Cool. So, so I'm an 06 grad. And I was there for some pretty terrible basketball. And and don't make fun of me. This this ages me. I was part of both the gene pool and the paint crew. I was there for the transition. And that was back in the day when the paint crew still had assigned seating, right, by seniority. And uh, finally, by my senior year, 
uh, we had second row seats, me, me and my group of buddies. Um, and that was when the student session was still on uh, all on one side, right? They were they were they were just a mass on the what what is that the south side of the stadium uh, before they split them up. So to get down in the front row seats, you didn't have very much of an opportunity. So it was really cool. And I remember uh, it was pretty bad basketball, except for my senior year. Uh, that, that my senior year would have been uh, uh, David Teague and Carl Landry's senior year. So we had a pretty decent uh, basketball team by the time by the time I graduated. But I remember being able to hear like what the players were saying what the coaches were saying and that just bred my love for Big Ten basketball right and it was and I was I was there for some pretty darn good football unfortunately I was in person for the Orton fumble in the Wisconsin game but outside of the results of that game that weekend was so much fun uh, college game day was there got up early and went to college game day um, I remember uh, uh, ESPN had a um, a cooking breakfast show with Gene Cady in ross Stadium that we went to, and we stole a little bottle of wine from the table as a memento. Um, and it's hard to go to that stuff and 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 not coming out of there uh, bleeding black and gold. So, um, being able to interact on on Twitter with Boiler Nation uh, for I guess like the last ten years has made it so much more fun. It's made it easier to get through some of these tough times, uh, these soul-crushing losses. Um, but uh, I'm hugely appreciative to everybody on Twitter because because it's a it, in 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 all it's a pretty good uh, a pretty good group of people uh, to be involved with. So, and that brings me to why I invited you two to do this podcast with me is because. Um, a lot of times you guys are tweeting the stuff before I can even tweet it out. Um, and, and you're probably two of some of the most active uh, Purdue tweeters out there. So thanks for, thanks for agreeing to do this podcast with me. It's uh, Hopefully we can, we can carry this on and, and maybe two or three people will listen to this every now and then. <laughs> if not, we'll just have fun after the games and we need to like decompress after a big win. And your loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Hopefully, and hopefully it's more wins than losses. But hopefully, win. Yeah. We'll take them as they come. So, let's take a look around the Big Ten. Your Boilers are leading the the Big Ten today. We're a half a game up on Illinois. Is that right? We're half a game up in the win. No, we're tied. Illinois. We're tied. That's right. Illinois beat Michigan. Yeah, just, we're all tied. Did you guys watch any of that game? I watched I a bit of the first half when Michigan State forgot that the purpose of basketball is that the orange <laughs> thing not off the side. But yeah, they were getting dominated, but they came back. It ended up being a pretty good ball game. Um, there was some <laughs> Big Ten officiating issues there yeah. at the end. Like, somebody fell, and then they called it out of bounds. And Izzo literally said the F word to the ref, but did not get a T. So <laughs> I don't know how he didn't get one. Izzo, they just expect that from Izzo, right? So it, yeah. his 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 level of shittiness has to be a lot higher to get a T, I think. I mean, they just all know it's coming. I, Michigan State couldn't. Their offense finally found rhythm there towards the end of the, yeah. the second half, but they could not get a damn stop to save their life, man. And then Trent Frazier hits that. Um, that absolute big shot there at the end of the game to seal the deal for him. So, 
they're such a natural Michigan State team. Like you think of a Michigan State team that plays kind of inside out. They always have one or two really like pick and pop posts, and then they kind of like to get out and run. And this is just such a weird Izzo team that they don't have that ability to say, we're going to dump it in here. We need a basket. We're going to go dump it into our post. And now it's like, it's just kind of weird to see how they've kind of transitioned the last couple of years away from more of a post into a more kind of four out one in. And it is interesting, especially because you don't really see like, think of like Tom Izzo as like going out and getting like a Tyson Walker. Like normally that's Michigan state is they're in the program. They stay, they come up and then it's like, Oh God, like you knew say Draymond Green when he's a freshman was like, this kid's going to be a pain in the ass for four years. And now they're kind of getting more the last couple of years with miles bridges and Jaron Jackson kind of one and done one or two and done's and they don't really have that continuity. And I wonder if maybe that's kind of why, Michigan State's still good, but they're not the Michigan State that you think of that's – it's their conference. Everyone else is going to have to kind of take it from them, and now they're kind of like that 1B tier instead of like one everyone else is below them. Yeah, they're not they're not the the physical Michigan State team that we're used to seeing. They're, they're relying so much more on finesse, and that's weird to see Izzo try and coach a game uh, uh, with the players that he has right now. So yeah, it's really weird not to see Michigan State on top of the Big Ten. <laughs> like they're they damn they really we're talking. You're talking about Michigan State being down and they're still what third or fourth place. They're so. only a game out. Yeah, they're only yeah. a game out. But still, it's like it's usually you're chasing Michigan State, you know. So what what plays out here tomorrow with Rutgers? Um Obviously, this is in Mackey, and that's that's a big deal to us. And it and it took a uh, uh, a miraculous shot to get us in the rack or whatever they're calling it now, Jersey Mike's Arena. It'll always be the rack. Um, what is Painter going to have his guys ready? Is Harper going to play? Uh, we don't we don't know that yet, do we? So there's nothing. They said that he's going to try, but I. Personally, feel just, and this is probably not right, but if you are releasing a statement the day after you had just played and said that this player has suffered such and such an injury, and as as far as I know, it's a finger injury on the non-shooting hand, I feel like if it was something that they were certain he was going to play, you don't even release a statement about. You just say, hey, yeah, he banged his hand up and well, should be good to go on Sunday. So I would be surprised if he didn't play, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he sits. But if you flip it, Geo Baker didn't play the first time, and now he's back, and he's been a Purdue killer the entire time that he's been at Rutgers. Yeah. So even if Harper doesn't play, they're still tough. They're, Rutgers makes you scrap for everything. You don't get easy points against Rutgers so it's going to be hopefully actually having days off will be a benefit because the last couple games it's been kind of obvious it's a tired Purdue team I'm going to be honest I'm really worried about Rutgers Um, I was looking at some stats the 
Mulcahy, that uh, guard, he scored zero against us the first time he played us, and he's averaging 15 points, seven assists, and four and a half rebounds the past six games. Um, Geo Baker didn't play, but Harper had 30. They're so scrappy, and they're, they put so much pressure on guards, and as we know, our guards don't always handle that. Um, I'm just worried that they're going to come out. Like, nothing scares me more than a team fighting for a seed. Like, they have nothing to lose. Like, they are fighting for a seed. Like, we know we have a seed. So, it's like Michigan. It it really scares me. I think this is definitely going to be probably our hardest game to date. Purdue has demonstrated that uh, they can lose in Mackey. And um, especially to a team that's going to fight the hell out of them. So, you know, this would... We've lost four games straight. Is it four games straight to Rutgers? Yes. How is that possible? If they beat us tomorrow, and we're we're podcast on Saturday, but if they beat us tomorrow five straight against Rutgers, I mean that's like you almost have to retire your program after that, don't you? Shut it down. <laughs> and just think it was oh now it'd be six years ago that Purdue went into the rack and won by fifty. Yeah. That was the yeah. uh Shaquille Taylor game, right? Shaquille Taylor had a double-double in 10 minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it'll be... We just don't match up well against them lately. And Geo Baker has had our number for a while. I'll be glad to see him graduate. (laughs) It'll be the need... The biggest key for me is turnovers. Because Mm -hmm. especially the last couple games, which might be fatigue-induced, but it also feels like sometimes... uh, Travion and to an extent Jaden go for the home run pass instead of just yeah moving the runner along. They're going for the kill shot, the pass that's gonna be lead the highlight shows instead of maybe just kind of resetting everything. And Rutgers is not a team that you really want to sacrifice possessions against because A, they're gonna pressure you uh to start with. So there's gonna be turnovers baked in. And giving them free runouts is not a good recipe for success. That's how they've really kind of fuel these last couple wins is they lock down on defense. And if you're giving them free points and they're making you work for 25 seconds on the other end, it's quite easy to see them build up these six, seven point leads. And with the defense they play the last couple minutes, it's kind of hard to over take a lead like that so but purdue is scrapping to the end of the big 10 race they're number five in the nation cbs released the the um, projected top four seeds uh in each bracket earlier this is a game you win right if you're serious about keeping that one or two seed and you want to you want to stay in this big 10 race uh, I know Rutgers is good. I know they beat us on a last-second shot. Um, but I think – I know this game probably will, will not be a blowout. But you've got to come out and exert your will against them on your home floor with the paint crew and the whole all of Mackey Arena behind you and, and just dominate the, the game from the tip. And it would be nice if Purdue could win by double digits or 20 or 30 and, and send Rutgers. <laughs> For my uh, heart. 
for my heart, please. <laughs> and I, you know, I think I tweeted during the Maryland game that, you know, that that could have been the most embarrassing loss that Purdue's had in a long time. Uh, because, again, same reasons. Uh, they were ranked four in the nation at the time. Um, and 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 trying to stay alive in the Big Ten race, you just don't lose to a shitty Maryland team at home. You just don't do it. Those are things you can't do. You want to lose on the road to Michigan State? You want to lose on the road to Wisconsin? That's fine. Don't lose to a shitty Maryland team at home. And so, thankfully, they didn't. But but they really had to fight to get there. And I sure as hell hope that we don't see that tomorrow. Yeah, I'm hoping this is, you know, this is a team that rises to the occasion. I feel. Uh-oh, we might have lost Gabby there for a second. Well, we'll get Gabby back. Hold on, we we got you now. You're good. Go yeah, get it. Yeah, um, this is a team that rises to the occasion, and they don't really, like, you know, Illinois. They came out guns blazing. They knew it was a big game. I'm hoping that's kind of how tomorrow is. I feel like Maryland, Michigan, they were kind of like, well, Rutgers, Indiana. They thought they had it in the bag. <laughs> And um, so I'm hoping that they're kind of, and I think Peter we talked about, he said mentally they were drained. He's like, we sure. gave him a day off before Michigan, and he's like, or no, Maryland, I'm sorry. And he's like, they are just drained. And um, hopefully <laughs> some rest, and we got to fight through that. So it can't be an excuse, you know. Well, all four losses this year have been after significant milestone yeah. accomplishments. Lost to Rutgers after becoming number one for the first time. Lost to, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Wisconsin was kind of baked into that too, but the loss at Indiana was right after that double OT win at Illinois. Yeah. To Michigan is right after that, right with that schedule change due to Michigan's COVID outbreak, and then right after that big emotional win at, or at home against Illinois. So maybe it's a team that's not, so great at calibrating emotions like going from the highs and kind of getting back to a level but i think having a couple days off is probably what they need because up until i think after wednesday purdue had played 16 big 10 games and no one else had even played 15 they right. were mm-hmm. like this is one of the latest having like a mini buy that i can remember a team having a big 10 season where they don't have a midweek game and there's only two weeks left in the big 10 season, which is absurd. Yeah. I, there was a solid month where it seems like uh, the Purdue basketball Twitter account was sweet, tweeting, Hey, we're on a bus going somewhere. We're on a plane going somewhere. And it, it was constant. And you, I mean, these are college kids too, right? I, I know that. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they still got to keep up with their studies. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not Ohio state, <laughs> but um, so I do think that plays a factor. A lot of people will brush that off and say, well, hell, every other team has to go. But uh, it's been a uh, pretty tough travel gauntlet for them here over the last several weeks. So, And every other team has lost. You know, like Purdue fans, you know, and I'm probably one of them, freak out. Oh, yeah, we lost. But, okay, every other team has lost. Every other team has gotten blown out at some point. It's not like we're the only ones to do it. Yeah, and not only they do, they do have bad games. Not only have they lost, they've they've lost games they shouldn't lose too. Um, so I mean, it's it's hard to maintain. I mean, that's why that's why your last undefeated team is your 1976 Hoosiers. I mean, it is it is incredibly hard to do it. 
uh, especially now with the expanded schedule. So you lose games. Had to plug that, huh? What's that? You had to plug that, huh? Yeah, no, I hate there. You mentioned Hoosiers on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a special guest here in a couple weeks, so we're going to hear Hoosier a lot. Um, so on the national scene, as far as maintaining that one and two seed, we saw uh, Kentucky, I think, ended up destroying um, Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Alabama didn't have a shot there at the end. Is there anything else going Texas, on today? Auburn Texas, is currently trailing Florida with five minutes to go. Ooh. 50 to 48 in a game that has decided that offense is overrated. I don't know. Yeah, that's like a Wisconsin-Northwestern game. Um, I don't know if our podcast will last that long, but we might have the results by the end of the show. That would be a nice one for Florida to hang on. And I think that puts – I know it's a away game for Auburn, but Florida is a pretty mediocre team. So that probably puts Purdue back on that one seed line if they hold serve tomorrow against Rutgers. I need to go grab my computer chair real quick, so I'll be back in like 30 seconds. Go ahead. So, Gabby, yesterday I was getting killed on Twitter for comparing Mason Gillis to Grady Eifert. And well, I kind of get better Grady Eifert. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a sophomore, right? Uh, Grady Eifert was Grady Eifert as, as a senior and a junior. Um, but I think there's a lot of parallels there. And uh, – just the fact that that Eifert was a walk-on and he was a contributor, he was a starter in a freaking elite eight game. Um, yeah, it's I, just I a little thing. It is. He is it's Johnny on the spot. That you don't see on that you don't see on the stat sheet, and what, it's kind of infuriating that every player should be doing. <laughs> you know, like sure. you're blue guys, but like, why aren't you all doing this? It's just the fact that he he makes the key rebounds. He's the one on the floor getting the 50-50 balls. He's making huge shots. He's not a high-volume shooter, but when he's open, he'll shoot it. And and it feels like every time he shoots it, he makes the damn thing. Uh, so, yeah, he is he got a his, he better. Got his mojo I, back last game. But I, I don't think it's insulting to compare him to Grady Eifert either. Grady Eifert is one of my favorite ball oh, players no. for Purdue. Oh, that's why you were getting people thought it was insulting? Yeah, I said it was insulting to Gillis to to uh, compare him to Eifert. Yeah, no, the, yeah, I don't. He's a better Eifert. He's a more, you know, athletic. Well, Eifert, I mean, he, he's a sophomore. Eifert he's gonna be like, better than Eifert for sure. Yeah. But I think he plays a very very similar role and, on this team. Didn't you guys? Didn't you guys love that squad? I. I look back at that team, you know, we all, all say, oh, let's just enjoy the ride. That 2018-2019 team was so fun. We had our highs and our lows. Um, but God, they were fun to watch. This this team's won more games, but there's so many parallels, right? Not only Gillis yeah. and Eifert, but, like, you know, Ivy's in a little bit of a rough stretch, stretch here in in mm-hmm. February. I mean, you rewind back to that Elite Eight run with, with Edwards. I mean, people were ready to kick him off the team in February. And, yeah. and I, I, I'm not, I well, wasn't into that. I, I remember thinking if I see him shoot another uh, 45 foot three, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up, but the guy willed us uh, through, uh, uh, through March. I was a 
Carson lover. I knew that he would get it back. I was like, keep him out there. I was with Painter, let him shoot through it. And the parallel of, of Carson and Jaden both being able to just take over a game at any moment. Like Jaden could be having the worst first half, but then come out and drop 30 in the second half or 25 like he did against Illinois, which is like so kind of exciting <laughs> because you just never know when he's going to go off. He's so freakishly athletic, man. I, I don't know that I don't, I'm sure that Purdue has never had anything. It just feels like when he jumps, he's he's 10 foot above the rim. It's four steps to get down the court. <laughs> That's what I'm Why is he a point guard? They couldn't even catch him. Yeah. Try to press him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a rarity. So the Big Ten puts players in the NBA, but it's rare to see, I think, on a Big Ten team, a legitimate NBA athlete. And that's what mm-hmm. is. Because the mm-hmm. last, I mean, the last few Big Ten players that have made it, I mean, you look at Draymond Green, not huge athlete. Not like you would see as like making his living off his athleticism. It's off playmaking and rebounding and defense. The recent one, I mean, Desumu from Illinois, closer to what you would picture, like that's a Big Ten athlete. But then when you see a guy like Jaden, is like, that's when I think NBA athlete, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. The explosiveness, the speed, and the ability to change direction like that's something that like you said purdue has never had no i hope we get to enjoy it uh for several several more weeks uh because we know that after this year he we won't get to see him anymore which rightfully so go make your money young man uh did you guys see that uh, Addison Potts, uh, the uh, Purdue women's basketball recruit from Florida, just got named uh, Miss, uh, what is it, Florida State Misses Basketball. Did not, but I do have seen the very limited amount of women's basketball for Purdue I've seen this year that I am still not sure why it took so long to switch coaches because they might be the most talented team that Purdue has had and there's a lot of great women's teams that have come through Purdue but this one especially compared to the last few years plays hard and they're competitive in games where last year they would have lost by 40. I I totally agree I mean KG <laughs> she's she's a good uh, she says here all goes of the HB things. On her. what's that I said here goes HB on uh, uh I love KG love her I do. She, she, um, she's just a breath of fresh air. And, and, you know, I, I, it, it does feel like, man, she's going to rebuild that culture fairly quickly and, and shout out to Addison Potts for, for being named Miss uh, Florida, Florida state, Mrs. Basketball. I think that uh, she's going to be a key component in the, to helping Purdue women's basketball get to what we, what we all enjoyed several years ago. So, um, and I, I told Gabby Riley, I mean, you were probably on that chat. We're going to get KG on this podcast. I did see that, yes. Yeah, we're going to get KG. And then and, and then once uh, Coach Gerald gets on here, then we'll guilt, uh, guilt Coach Painter to join us sometime. Mm-hmm. 
we're missing anything guys i think this, that's that's all i had i um i guess let's let's do let's do yeah. projections for tomorrow yeah give final me score. give me give me your final score riley um i'm gonna but oh. gabby go ahead gabby go ahead i'm gonna go 68 73 spoilers uh, uh let's go 72 64 purdue no double digit wins I'm feeling a double-digit win. I, I, I think we'll see us. I'm going to say 75-61 Boilers. I would have What's said, spread, do we know? but they've been so bad at closing mm-hmm. games lately that they might be up 15 with four minutes to go, and it ends up being a situation. <laughs> so. No lines yet. I, I know. Think. No lines. I would, if I was to guess, I would say it'll probably open at – Seven or eight. Who do you think? Really? The uh, home court in college basketball is quite significant. Unless you play Wisconsin. Yeah, I would say, because uh, Purdue was against Maryland, was almost 16. And I would say, I, I guess anywhere between Five and eight won't surprise me, but I would guess maybe eight. I don't know. Yeah, but I guess we are talking about a team that lost to Lafayette at home and barely got to 50, both teams. They're they're playing so confident right now, though. They're confident. But they aren't at the rack, too. I don't know. I hope the Boilers blow them out. I know one thing I, I forgot earlier. There's there's a lot of talk about Boilers' defish, uh, defense efficiency being in what, I don't know, Ken Palm, above 100 uh, in the nation, and that there hasn't been a Final Four team with, I think, 52 rank defensive efficiency in, ever in the Ken Palm era. What's your guys' take on that? I mean... Does that mean Purdue's doomed? So a lot of that is those numbers are possession-based. And so where Purdue gets dinged in that is they play slower than most of the typical top teams. So the defensive ratings look worse because if you give up 70 points in a game that has, say – 60 possessions versus you give up 70 in a game that's got 80 those you're gonna look worse and so i think the defense is not not what you expect from purdue but it's not also i don't think it's as bad as the numbers say it gets hurt too by a lot of as we've seen especially the last couple games a lot of live ball turnovers so opponents are getting points right where these last couple games, too, against Maryland and not so much Maryland, but Northwestern, Northwestern got a lot of points in the last two minutes when the game was basically decided. So if you look at that, Northwestern scored within the last three minutes, I think, 10 to 15 points. And a lot of those were not on multiple possessions. It was They scored every possession because it was fouling and whatnot. So that kind of 
hurts your efficiency because your opponent is scoring every time, even if they end up with lower number of points. So it's kind of one of those, it's good to know that Purdue's defense is struggling, but when you factor in like how slow they play, that's kind of where that really gets dinged. Yeah. I mean, I tend to agree. I, it's not the normal Purdue defense that we've seen, but we've also seen them playing stretches, um, some pretty solid defense. And minutes against Northwestern was some of the best that they had played yeah, all year. And I don't, I don't know if that's. It seems like something that they can turn on and off, for the most part. And if you can't turn it on in uh, the NCAA tournament, then I guess you don't deserve to to go on. Now, I'm not saying I. I mean, obviously. Purdue's offense is some of the best we've ever had. Um, so if we even have uh, an average Purdue offense night with coupled with an average Purdue defensive night, um, hopefully that can take us pretty deep in March. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that we can play good defense, and I think that we're playing way better defense now than we were in the beginning of the season. Um, and I like I said before, I feel like this is a team that kind of rises to the occasion. So I'm hoping that once the tourney hits, I mean, you got to play good defense. And, you know, maybe it won't even matter because their offense will be so good. I mean, we shoot 40% from three. What happens on a night we're shooting hot? You yeah. Know, will it matter that our defense is like Lester? Who knows? Um, I'm just hoping we get hot at the right time, I guess. <laughs> well, cool, guys. I think that's a wrap. How was that for our first? How's that for our first episode podcast? <clears throat> I don't know. I haven't. We haven't listened. Hey, Boiler Nation! Thanks for listening to Boiler Up and Beer Down. Give us a follow. Tell us all your friends and family about us. Um, I think Gabby and I are going to go live. We don't know what platform yet. Probably Twitter spaces tomorrow after the game for an instant reaction. Um, thanks for listening. Go Boilers.